All right, like I said last week, um, concerning sex, we need to talk about this uh, because without a doubt, sexual sin is every man's biggest struggle. Uh, It may only register a little bit, but uh, men are designed to be sexual. Men are designed to be the sexual aggressors. That's why all marketing is done with women in little swimsuits. It's never done with men in little swimsuits. Nobody wants to see men in little swimsuits. That's gross. Even women say that's gross. But society knows how men are made. They're smarter than the church usually. And they know how if you want to get to a man, you go through his eyes and you show some woman half-dressed. So everything, unfortunately, even contemporary Christian music and contemporary Christian dancing and contemporary Christian videos have all this in it. Low-cut blouses, Christian music awards are looking pretty trampy these days. It's the world creeping in to the church. So we have to fight this thing. So last week, we, under, we kind of covered that. We looked at some men who fell to sexual sin, famous men in the Bible who fell to sexual sin. Then we looked at the word to see that the word confirmed, yep, we have issues with sex. We have issues with lust. Yep, the word says so. If I didn't already know it, the word told me so. Now I know so. Let's fix the problem. So this morning is part two, victorious behavior. So we're going to figure out, men, how to beat this. And I'm going to tell you stuff you've already heard a million times before, but you got to hear it again. The reason we fail is not because of our ignorance, it's because of laziness. The reason we fail is not because we haven't been taught good in this church or in this nation, it's because we're too lazy to do what we know to do. When you're sitting there looking at a girl that's not your wife, you know you don't need to be looking at that girl that's not your wife. It's not an ignorance problem, it's a lazy, dumb problem. No, 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 they need to, need to turn away, need to turn away, not turning away. I actually like not turning away now, sinning against God. My heart is grieved, but my flesh likes it. I'll repent later because I can because grace will take care of it. <laughs> Lord, help us. We don't outgrow sexual perversion or sexual temptation or sexual sin. The older you get, it does not go away. You all the time can read about men who are marrying 20-year-old women that are in their, they're in their 60s and 70s. I think last week I told one of Dr. Barclay's stories. He's with Dr. Roy Hicks on Dr. Hicks's 80th birthday, and they were in the mall eating yogurt, and these three half-dressed college co-eds walked by, and Dr. Hicks nudged Dr. Barclay and said, You see that, boy? Uh, no, what? That. You see that? What? He said, You see it. He said, Well, yeah, I saw it, and now that you've nudged me, I really see it. He said, You know what, son? He said, my flesh does not realize I'm 80 years old. I could chase them down, but it would do me no good. Because what am I going to do when I get them? I'm 80 years old. Plus, my wife would kill me. (laughs) He said, I'm 80 years old. My body's 80 years old, but my flesh does not know that. And I think it's a powerful point. Just because your body's 80 years old doesn't, your flesh, and he told Dr. Barclay, he said, they look just as good to me today as they did when I was 16, to my flesh. But what's it going to do me? No good. And that's what we, we can't deceive ourselves. Just because we get older, it's not going to go away. You don't outgrow this temptation, this lusting that's in your flesh, men. You got to speak to it. You got to conquer it. You got to starve it. You got to train it. Say, nope, I only have lust for my wife. And if I'm not married, I don't get to have lust except for desire earnestly the spiritual gifts. Same word for lust. So we can train this thing, but we have to be careful because this is every man's deal. Unless you're homosexual and then you're, you're looking at something else and it's just as wicked and nasty, if not more so. So we, got, we, can't, we can't tease ourselves. We can't lie to ourselves, deceive ourselves and say, 
I don't struggle with this. I don't have a problem with this. If Dr. Roy Hicks, who'd been in the ministry for 65 or 70 years at that point, said, my flesh still likes that, come on, we got to be honest, just like that great man of God was. The sex drive is a tremendously powerful and beautiful gift from God. However, it can also be tremendously destructive. Let us continue our study of sexual purity that we as men might know how to glorify our God with his gift. Think about that. Your sex drive is a gift from God, but you got to glorify God with that gift. Just like you might have a gift to play music, you better glorify God with that gift. Just like you, you might have a, a gift to speak, you better glorify God with that gift. Thank God we've all been given the gift of sex drive, and we ought to glorify God with that gift. And he's, if he's given it to us, then we one day, if we're not married now, get to glorify God with that gift. You don't glorify God with that gift in lust and perversion. you got to wait till marriage. And you don't get to test drive anybody before marriage. You wait till you're married. Otherwise, you're in sin. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God. If you ever wonder, what, what am I supposed to do, Pastor? What, what's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? You, does God want me to be a preacher? I don't know, but I can tell you what the Word says. Sanctify yourself. Am I going to get married? I don't know. Sanctify yourself. Uh, am I going to have a career, be a wealthy businessman? I don't know, but the Bible says this is the will of God. Why are we majoring on unknowns when we minor and we're too busy minoring on the knowns? What's the known? Sanctify yourself. What's that mean? Set yourself apart from the world, from sin, from perversion. Get a hold of these things in your life. If you're a man and you happen to have a couple movies you keep on reserve because there's a couple naked scenes in it, get rid of them. That would be sanctification. You happen to have a couple pictures on your computer you've reserved somewhere in a hidden file so your wife doesn't find it, get rid of it. You got junk on your phone, get rid of it. Magazines under the bed, DVDs hidden, get rid of it. That's sanctification. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're making provision for the flesh. You're putting it aside so that the one day when all of a sudden flesh rises up again and you have a flesh flare up, you go, ooh, I know where there's one DVD left and I can repent tomorrow. But if you didn't have anything in the house, you'd have no recourse but to pray, Lord, oh, Jesus, mm, Lord, not nah, Jesus, God help me, rather than go popping in the DVD. Amen. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. I might add, don't run with dirty people either. Don't, don't run with perverts. Be man enough, men, to get dirty people out of your life. On your job, if they're bold enough to talk about sex, be bold enough to shut them up. Be bold enough to tell them, I don't want to hear it. Be bold enough to say, Jesus, forgive these perverts. Jesus, forgive these men that live like packs of dogs. Jesus, don't let them get AIDS or STDs or genital herpes. Say it loud. Be man enough. Why, why are you letting them affect you when you're called to salt them? You want to be a man? Own, the, own your job. Own the conditions on your job. And stand up. And you ladies, I'd encourage you, don't let men be perverts around you. Tell them. Get them fired. I've had to encourage some of our college girls in this church. They, I've heard this a lot now. They, they're grieved because they work with homosexuals and they hear homosexuals talk about how good looking men are when they come in. I've told them, you go tell, you, tell them to their face, this is sexual discrimination. This is sexual harassment. I don't, I don't care what you think, how good looking they are. Why do I want to hear that? If you keep it up, I'm going to report you for sexual harassment and uh, see if you don't get fired. I don't care if you are queer. You sodomite. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. 
Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That's pretty simple. That every one of you, here we go, men, every one of us men, we should know how to possess our vessel. We should know how to possess our vessel. That's your body. In sanctification and honor. In sanctification and honor. Notice if you possess your vessel in sanctification, it will honor God. Not in the lust. Notice that you can possess your vessel or you can possess, lust can possess it. Not in the lust of concupiscence, which means you just give it anything it wants, anytime it wants, because it's God in your life. You ought to starve your, your flesh from time to time, whether it's starving your eyes, starving your ears. It would be good if you're one that listens to a lot of music. Just go without music for a few days. Our society now, you can't drive down the street without wa watching every person walk down the road with white headphones in their ears. Is that right? Yes, sir. You're right. I'm amazed more people don't get run over. That'll solve that problem. But if you're one to your ears dominate you, turn off the music. Or your eyes, turn off your television, whatever you're watching, whatever you're feeding on. Or your mouth, maybe you overeat, maybe you eat too much. Uh, starve that thing. That'll help you possess this thing. Concupiscence is just giving your flesh anything it wants, anytime it wants, and letting it dominate you. Even as the Gentiles which know not God. The odd thing here, the offensive thing, the condemning thing is um, we ought to live different from the Gentiles. But it says really in this verse that some of us don't. We're living like Gentiles that don't know God. We don't possess our vessel. We give it anything it wants, anytime it wants. That's how the Gentiles live that know not God. You and I, we know God. Therefore, we should not be giving our flesh anything it wants, anytime it wants. We should not be catering to our flesh like a two-year-old brat. We should be strict with our flesh. We should be strict with our eyes. We should be strict with our ears. I wonder, just a side note as a pastor, how come I can say one thing wrong, people will get mad and leave my church, but your favorite TV show can't say one thing wrong, you get mad and turn it off forever? Why the hypocrisy? How come some people can love a sitcom and even when they bring on the lesbian couple and watch them kiss, they're like, ooh, what's coming on next week? What's next week's episode about? But I can step on somebody's toe in this church just once. Well, the new word is tyrant. He's such a tyrant and leave the church. <laughs> Another phrase was, it's a sadistic boot camp there. I guess I'm going to have to leave the church. How come the world doesn't offend you one too many times and you leave the world? But I can offend you one too many times and you'll think about not coming back. Oh, hypocrites. Why the double standard? We got to be clean. God wants his children to sanctify themselves. This includes abstinence. That's a marvelous word. Abstinence. It just doesn't go for horny people. It goes for chubby people, too. I'm going to quote Dr. Creflo Dollar. Do you know how to lose weight? Stop eating so much. We were over at Gertie's last night watching some football and we, we, we threw in a, a good clean movie and we had vegetable soup that they had fixed and, and I said, you know, Gertie, this may not be enough. We may have to call Papa up. Papa John's. And Gertie said, Pastor, I think that's a good idea. And my wife said, honey. She said, why don't you just eat this bowl of soup first and then see if you're full? Honey, I don't like that idea. I like Papa John's idea. <laughs> so then if not, Wendy's is right there. I'll go get me a wrap or something. And then I'm going to come home and complain, honey, my soup pants are getting snug. You know how you lose weight? 
Stop eating so much. It doesn't mention the fact they had three or four vanilla Cokes last night. That doesn't help either. So I'm preaching to myself now. You know, Pastor Chris, how to lose weight if you really want to trim down? Stop eating so much. That's called abstinence too. You want to know how to renew your mind? Stop listening to so much weird stuff. You want to know how to soothe fear in your life? Quit watching the news so much. Abstinence isn't just sex. It just means you abstain from whatever that is controls you. Sanctification is the process of setting yourself apart as clean. Sanctification will help you possess your body so that its carnal appetites don't possess it. Your body or vessel was given to you that you might honor God with it. Dr. Roy Hicks used to say, whatever in part of your nature you feed will dominate you. You feed your flesh, your flesh will dominate you. You feed your spirit man and your heart for God, that'll dominate you. If you want to wonder what's going on in your life, it's because you're feeding something. If you have uh, two sumo wrestlers, the one that's going to win is the one that's been eating all week. The one that fasted all week will not win the match. And we could say in your being is two sumo wrestlers, the spirit man and the flesh nature. We take sumo not because you're chubby, but because they're big forces. Sumos aren't just fat people. They're very skilled. They, they study judo. and they, they're, they're just big judo players. They're really all they are. They have a lot of technique. So don't just think big fat people that run and fall on each other. That's, if you ever watch the competitions, it's impressive stuff. So in your nature, you got two sumo wrestlers, flesh and, and, and spirit man. And whichever one you feed is going to win on that daily basis. So men, starve yourself sexually as far as the, the world's feedings. And that way your flesh has no recourse. Your flesh is just, it doesn't even want it. And you have to keep it under. Well, Dr. Summerall used to also say, uh, wherever your heart or your flesh screams the loudest is where your faith is the weakest. You can get a hold of sexual appetites. They do not have to control you. And you can get a hold of your, your natural appetites for food. It doesn't have to control you. Some folks will go across town to get a ho-ho or a ding-dong and a Mountain Dew and a moon pie, but they won't come across church, uh, town for Wednesday night church. How come that craving for a moon pie will drive you across town, but your craving for God keeps you at home? How, how come God is in a backseat to a moon pie? This is a sad thing. Your body or vessel was given to you that you might honor God with it. So that's what we're talking about, gentlemen. How to win. The men should say, uh, praise God. <laughs> or oh, we just got you so nervous now. Um, if I say, hey, praise God, they might know I'm the one struggling. We already started off by saying Dr. Roy Hicks in his 80s was noticing three college girls half-dressed and admitted, I'm 80, but my flesh doesn't know it. My flesh still thinks it's just as sexy now as it was 60 years ago. So it's all right. How to win. There we go. There's some honesty there. Here it is, gentlemen. I might add this. I have, in my short term of pastoring, have dealt with women that are full of lust. And I've dealt with women who wanted sex more than men did. So I'm helping godly men. But generally speaking, women are not the issue. But in this society, you never know anymore. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, the strange woman was the one that went hunting for the innocent life. There's still strange women in the church today, too. Here it is, gentlemen. This is the key to getting the victory over sexual temptations. It's a process. I like processes. I like a little bit of legalism because it tells me what to do. I'm not that spiritual. I need God to walk me through it step by step. And then I'll get it in my heart and it'll come out of my heart. It'll be faith. 
Make this a part of your lifestyle and you're guaranteed to honor God with your eyes, your heart, and your body. So we'll review a couple verses we looked at last time. Lamentations 3.51. My eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Boy, if that isn't true. Now that verse is out of context. It's talking about Jeremiah looking at Jerusalem being destroyed and all the fair young daughters of his city were no longer protected. And, you know, you're not worried so much about boys. It seems like a daddy's heart's more concerned about the girls and the fair virgins being marauded and plundered and looted and raped. And he's seeing the city of Jerusalem destroyed and in ruins. But it says, just by what I saw, it affected my heart. But at the same time, we could easily apply this to sex. My eye affected my heart because I saw the daughters in my city. And Lord, they were half dressed because this is 2011. So it starts with our eyes, gentlemen. Job 31, 7. If my step hath turned out of the way and mine heart walked after mine eyes. That's another good verse. My heart walked after my eyes. You, gentlemen, ladies too, you know that sometimes you don't know you want it till you see it. Oh, did you see that new Camaro? I've never been a Camaro fan, but that new one, man. That new Charger, that new Challenger. Man, did you see that new iPod? Did you, did you see that new gun? Or ladies, did you see those new shoes? Did you see those new Robin Hood looking boots? My wife is adamant about these, these saggy Robin Hood boots. She said, honey, you don't like them? I said, they're ugly. They look like you should come with a bow and arrow on one of those hats that Errol Flynn would wear with the feather sticking out. No, I don't want you. I'll buy you, I'll buy you $300 saddle boots, but I don't want those Robin Hood boots. I don't like them. Well, the girls in the church, I don't care if they got them. They're ugly. But her eye sees it and her heart wants to walk after it. And I have to hold her back because I think they're ugly. And I should probably end up with them anyway. But Because I'll get them for her. I'll let her get them or whatever. But I'm, I just don't like the styling of it. It's just not me. She didn't know she liked it until she started seeing everybody else with them. And nothing says your heart's smart or your eyes are keen. Because kids are still wearing these Uggs boots that look like Eskimo reject things. Like you, you know, you got rabbits on your feet or something. And that's trendy. That's fashion for you. <laughs> but coming back to you men, you men didn't have a problem with your marriage to the new secretary hired on. Then your eyes started affecting your heart. You didn't have a problem in your marriage or your marital sex life. You didn't have a problem if you were single with sex until all of a sudden you got the new job. And we're not against new jobs. And it's not the secretary's fault unless she's a strange woman. But all of a sudden you start seeing something your eyes haven't seen before. And now you're going to have to work to guard your heart. Because honestly, your eyes are not the problem. They are the problem, but they're not because you can't help but see stuff. Unless, of course, you go chasing after it to look at it. But you, you can, I could be in this church and there's nothing that stops a floozy woman from walking in here, half-dressed, cleavage hanging out, miniskirt on, and she's a sinner looking for Jesus. There's not, I can't control that. So my eyes, I, I can't control that. I, I got to see her because she's in my church. Got to greet her. But then I've got to start affecting what's going on in my heart. Whoa, whoa, heart. No, 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 no. Watch this. Same thing. You can't affect who's on your job. But you can affect what your heart says when it sees it. You can affect what your heart says when your eyes see it. Because sometimes you see something and you go, ugh. That's what your heart says. Sometimes your, your eyes see it and your heart says, ooh la la. Or your heart says, I want that. Or your heart says, I want to sleep with that. Or your heart says, I want to see that naked. You can't always affect what your eyes see. You should as much as you can. That means don't bring it into your home. 
But should your eyes see something they shouldn't, uh, and just because it, you can't control it, just like Jesus said, be careful how you hear. You can't always be careful what you hear. You can affect, you can uh, be cautious how it affects your heart. So that's what we got to be careful here. And if mine heart walked after mine eyes. Remember that what your eyes view can and will affect your heart. You know it. I know it. Watch what you watch. What you see will feed your thought life. So stop your problems with your eyes. So if you get it into your heart or if you're not careful, what you see will start to affect your thought life. And that, if, that's, if you're not careful with your thought life, that will become your heart. That's why the next step, because we've got these numbers, step three is make no provision for the flesh or forethought. That's kind of how this thing works. This is how it starts to unravel for you. You see it. Men, you already know what we're talking about here. You see it. You start thinking about it. Then your heart starts craving it. And your heart starts craving it and you're thinking about it. That's what Romans uh, 4, uh, 13, 14 says is provision or forethought for the flesh. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision or forethought for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. No forethought, no provision. A provision is something you set out in advance so that when you get there, you'll have energy and strength. You have military provisions. You can have race provisions. Sometimes when people train long days, they know where they're going to run, and they'll drive out there that morning and put a water bottle at the 13-mile mark so they'll have a provision. They can run the next 13 miles back home. If you're thinking all the time and daydreaming all the time, gentlemen, you're laying up provision for the flesh, forethoughts, thinking about it, thinking about it. On the other hand, what Proverbs commands you to do, men, is to think about your wife all the time and be drunk with her love all the time. It means you're at work going, ooh, I can't wait to get home. In fact, I'm going to send her a text and say, honey, why don't you go ahead and just be naked when I get home at 5.30? Then you're thinking about naked at 5.30. You don't care about the secretary. You care about naked at 5.30. Amen. Or, honey... You know that thing you bought there at Victoria's Secret? Go ahead and have that on. Well, why? It only stays on for two minutes. It doesn't matter, honey. Why do we spend all this money? It doesn't matter, honey. That's how men are wired. Women just put it on and let the husband take it off. And he'll be thinking about taking it off all day. And you won't have any problems or any issues with this thing. There's a reason why there's nothing called Victor's Secret. It's Victoria's Secret for a reason. There's no such thing as Victor's Secret. This is how men work. We're talking about being men of sexual purity. Amen. So you got to be careful of your daydreaming because your daydreaming will fire up your flesh. Your daydreaming will fire up your lust. Your daydreaming will ruin your marriage or your daydreaming can help your marriage. Men, you used to daydream about that girl before you married her anyway. Just fire up the daydream again. Nothing's changed except your heart. And daydreaming will put your heart back in love with her. Amen. If you activate your thought life, you will begin to make provision for your flesh. Thoughts are like food for your flesh. The more you think, the more you'll feed your flesh. Once you start feeding your flesh, you will awaken a monster. And we all know that to be the case. What am I going to do now? I've thought this thing. And women, sometimes you do it. You think you worry yourself in a frenzy. What are we going to do? 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 And your husband's going to come and say, you're going to get undressed. That, I'm talking about the bills. I don't have bills on my mind right now, honey. I can't think about bills. We take care of this. We can talk about the bills. This is called marriage. 
Step four, casting down imaginations. Men, you must become experts at this. Ladies too, but your, your imaginations will be totally different than a man's imaginations. Men casting down imaginations, 1 Corinthians 10, 5, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God says daydream about your wife. Undress your wife in your mind, not the secretary, not the new girl, not the old girl. Undress your wife. That's what Proverbs says, be drunk with her. Be drunk with your wife. Be drunk with her loves. Let her satisfy you always. Cast down these imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you got two things to do there. Cast down, which means to tear down and destroy, and to bring into captivity, captivity, which means to enslave. You've got to enslave your thoughts because if you don't get a hold of your thoughts, they'll get a hold of you and you'll go wherever you think. You think, I think, I think I'm going to pizza. I think I'm going to pizza. And you find yourself at the pizza place. I think I need a Starbucks. I think I need a Starbucks. You find yourself driving to Starbucks, digging out five bucks in this change of, in, the, in the console to get a $5 cup of coffee. I think I'm going to see a movie. I think I'm going to go home and watch porn. And you will. You have to be careful. Now, women, some of this may seem very foreign. And really, this is what goes on in a man? Yes, this is men. This is man 101. Understand it and help it. That's why you ladies shouldn't dress all floozy, skanky, trampy. We, you don't need to hurt your brothers in Christ. We don't want to look at it, but the flesh says, there's a little cleavage over there. Logic says, and if that guy bends over, there'll be a little bit more cleavage over there too. <laughs> See, it, how crazy is this that mind, man's mind says one kind of cleavage because of two hams of meat pushed together. And another kind of cleavage produced by two hams of meat pushed together is not attractive. It's repulsive. You could take a picture of woman's cleavage and man booty cleavage and draw a circle around it. And your mind wouldn't know which one, you know, just to isolate it. Your mind wouldn't know which one it should lust after. This is how stupid flesh is. Yet this is how we're built. By your laughing, I understand you know what I'm talking about. You have to bring into captivity every thought. <laughs> like right now, bring into captivity every thought. Stop thinking about Joe the plumber. <laughs> to the obedience of Christ. This verse, gentlemen, is your answer. This verse, every one of you men should have this verse tattooed in your heart, if you want to use that term, etched in your heart, chiseled in your heart, written in your heart. This verse, we're not, we're not for tattoos. If you got them, no condemnation, but we're not promoting tattoos here. This verse has got to be the verse you live by. I will bring into captivity every thought. I will cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Ladies, it'll work for you. You probably worry more than men do. But this verse will help you in whatever thing your mind feeds on. If you've seen something you shouldn't have, you must bring, uh, be, excuse me, begin to shut down your mind. You must be good at speaking to your mind and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Judge the thoughts. Do they obey Christ? If not, cast them down. Destroy them. And here's the thing. In the end, a picture of cleavage is a picture of cleavage, and you can look at it and your heart not be moved by it. You got to think about medical doctors. They have to look at people naked all day long and it doesn't move them. If they were moved by it, they probably have to get another job or get their heart right. Think about OBGYN doctors. They, they have to look at that stuff all day long, but to them it's medical science. You've got to be careful what your heart says. And for some men, 
Just a little bit of skin tears them apart. For other men, they're just not into it. It takes a lot more. But wives, you got to know what your husband is. Wives, sometimes your husbands can't afford to watch a TV show on television. It affects him too adversely. Don't wound his conscience because you're stronger than him. And you can watch a TV show that has an occasional woman in a swimsuit in the background. That might cause your husband to completely fall apart. But you guys got to discuss these things in your marriages. Single men, if a little background image ruins you, you got to get with Jesus. And don't watch that show. And fortify your strengths rather than keep feeding them. Excuse me, fortify your weaknesses and make them stronger rather than keep feeding your weaknesses and falling apart. You've got to know your limitations and don't flirt with it. Keep your heart safe. If you're not able, or a gentleman and you're on the job, and there's somebody you work with that does something weird to your heart and you, you have this weird infatuation, I would stay away from them. I would pray every day, Lord, help my heart work around them if I have to. And if I don't have to, I'm not going anywhere near them. If they're in the coffee room, I'm not going to the coffee. I'm going to go make coffees. If they're making coffees, I'm going to the restroom. If they're, if they're over there by the desk, I'm not going near the desk. I'm going to go get coffee. Do whatever you can to keep yourself safe. Last week, we made it real serious in here by talking about all these people that have fallen into sexual sin. Even pastors and leaders and youth leaders. It's a scary thing. Man, you have the same flesh nature that a homosexual has. And you've got the same flesh nature a gigolo has. And you've got the same flesh nature a pedophile has. And you've got the same flesh nature that men in prison have for rape. You have the ability and the opportunity to be just as filthy as them. The only difference is you have not yielded to your flesh to the degree they have. We've all yielded to the flesh. We've just not yielded to the flesh to the degree those men have to end up in homosexuality, pedophilia, rape, nastiness, filth. So it ought to concern you. I have got a beast living in my flesh. That's what Paul said. In me dwells no good thing. Evil is always present with me. That ought to put a little bit of holy fear in you. Can't trust this thing. I don't trust my flesh. What's the matter? You don't trust me? No, I'm not worried about you. I don't trust me. And that is wisdom. That's caution. Know your limitations <clears throat> and don't think you can't fall. If, you're, if your uh, thoughts don't obey Christ, cast them down, destroy them, and don't feed them again. You're commanded to do two things to your thoughts. Cast down and bring them into captivity. Either way, they don't get to run loose in your head and control you. Every one of you as a Christian ought to be expert at controlling your mind. Don't worry about controlling somebody else's mind. You want to talk about mind control, control your own mind. That means don't let your thoughts just run all day long. Don't let your mind spin like a top. Don't let your mind just constantly click, 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 or a little Chinese man on abacus trying to calculate things. You as a Christian are commanded to be sober-minded. You don't have a right to let your mind run rampant. Bring it in control. I, I teach and folks still marvel at it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others don't think it's possible. Your mind can be dead silent all day long until you give it permission to think. It's a wonderful, beautiful place to be. It's easy to go to sleep that way. You can so control your mind through that verse alone that your mind can't even think up what you used to be terrified of. If you have a trouble with a pink hippopotamus thought, you can use 1 Corinthians 10.5 to the point you won't even remember what the color pink looked like or what a hippopotamus is. That's what this verse will do for your mind if you'll use it and bring into captivity every thought. It takes work. And you've let your mind run long enough, so it's going to take some work to bring it back into captivity. But you can do this. You don't have to fret. You don't have to be full of lust. You don't have to have porn vision in your head. You don't have to crave alcohol, cigarettes, or weed. 
You can be clean if you want. If you want. If you want. That's the big condition. Bible behavior. Let's quickly run through and just show you from the Bible how you're to treat other women, gentlemen. Aside from personal lust, often the Christian man must interact with the opposite sex. The Bible is also very strict on how to interact with women, both heathen and Christian. Sexual sin always involves another person. So mind your behavior with the opposite sex. It takes two to tango, and it takes two to have an affair. And it takes two to fornicate. If not, it's called rape. One gets you in trouble with God. The other gets you in trouble with God and in prison. So be careful how you interact with people. Let's see what the Word says concerning premarital sex. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, first on the list, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's soft to the touch, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now that word in the Greek is one word, it means homosexual. It's a King James polite way of saying homosexual, but that Greek word is a homosexual. Abusers of themselves with mankind. Notice that fornicator starts off a list that ends with homosexuality and effeminism and idolatry. Kind of lets you know how God views fornication. What's fornication? Having sex outside of marriage. Not beating you up, just teaching you what the Word says. And it says if you're a fornicator, you do not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you decide what the kingdom of God is, whether it's heaven or power in the earth today. It's a little bit of both. Fornicators effeminate, adulterers, homosexuals, idolaters. This is not a good list to be found in. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 13b. No, uh, now the body is not for fornication. That's pretty simple. Wait, so I'm sorry. Paul, what's the body for? Well, I'll tell you what it's not for. It's not for fornication. So if you're fornicating, you are grossly misusing the body God gave you. It's kind of like daddy gives you a brand new car and he says, this is not to play bumper cars with. This is not for demolition derby in the Walmart parking lot. Okay, dad. And that's the very thing you go and do with it. Except with you, you're using your body to bump into another person's body and destroy your body through AIDS, pregnancy, STDs, herpes, warts, ugh, syphilis, chlamydia, going down the... You want to have fun if you're one given to lust? Carefully, with a spiritual person over your shoulder, Google pictures of STDs and see what you can do to your genitalia. And know if someone's willing to have sex with you, they've had sex with other people. Jeff Harris was just telling me, I think, there was a fight between two girls at the high school level they got in fi- a fight over who graduated with the most STDs. Is that you, Jeff, telling me? Somebody was just telling me that. Mm. Two girls recently from our high school got in a fight, fighting over which one of them graduated our high school with more STDs. Mm. Aren't you making daddy proud? They got them from boys, and they're going to give them the boys. Mm. Right now, I'm glad I'm married, Amen. and I'm monogamous, and always have been. And I don't have to worry about this stuff. But sometimes you have to pull out the truth to really tell people why God said don't fornicate. Well, because these things called diseases can kill you. Now, the body is not for fornication. Well, what's it for then, Paul? For the Lord and the Lord for the body. (laughs) If you'd walk with Jesus, 
You won't fornicate. You had to first leave Jesus to get in bed with her or him. You had to first leave Jesus because he wasn't going to let you do it. In fact, he was telling you when you saw her, leave her alone. You're going to end up in trouble. Leave her alone. He was telling you on the inside, not me. On the inside, you got around and looked at her and you tightened up on the inside because the Holy Ghost was trying to say, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't let your heart get on her. And you had to walk past the Holy Ghost, walk past the Bible, walk past the preaching, walk past the Spirit of God, walk past the Lord Jesus to become a fornicator. This thing, I like what Dr. Barclay says. You can't say, I don't know how it happened. What, you just ended up in bed naked? You had to drive over to somebody's house or get in the back seat of a car or go get a hotel room. You had to plan all this out. You had to undress. Did you bring protection or no? If she's pregnant, no. This took a lot of planning and scheming. And the whole time you had to do it to make sure you didn't get caught. So now you're a conniver. You're actually good. You should probably try out for the CIA. They need covert ops like you. They need two-faced spies like you. Now I'm really harping. People that can look Russian but are really American embeds. Actually, you are embed. Fornicate. Can say one thing in church but live another way outside of church. Now we're really meddling. (laughs) Let's move on before it gets too heavy. (laughs) Flee fornication. Oh, You mean it's just that simple, two words, flee fornication. Or if you want a contraction, because around here we shorten words and butcher them, don't. Don't what? Fornicate. Flee it. Every sin that a man sins, uh, that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. So when you're fornicating, you think it feels good. The Bible says you're actually sinning against yourself. Figure that one out. That's pretty rough. Fornication is in the same category as idol worship, effeminates, homewreckers, and homosexuals. What an awesome list to be found among. I'm glad I have never been a fornicator. You're saying I'm, you're holier than me. In that arena, yes, I am. I've never been a fornicator. Thank God for it. Fornication is sinning against your own body. Flee it. Now listen, if you have fornicated, no condemnation. Just don't do it anymore. If you're doing it right now, you're dirty. And this message is for you. Stop fornicating. Stop fornicating. God has not designed you to fornicate. It's a beautiful gift for marriage, this thing called sex. Quit opening it up and ruining your Christmas. How to treat a heathen woman. (laughs) The Bible is very clear concerning non-believers. We are to have absolutely no romantic interest in them whatsoever. Bible's very clear. We're not so smart, so the Bible has to be clear for us. We're to have absolutely no romantic interest in heathen whatsoever. Pretty simple. They will destroy your Christian walk. Proverbs 2, 16 through 19 says, uh, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flatters with her words. The Lord says that the young man must be delivered from the strange woman. Now that tells you right now it's bondage. If you have to be delivered from her, she's bondage. The Bible never tells me I have to be delivered from my wife. That's awesome. In fact, the Bible says don't seek to be loosed. But the Bible says here, if you're interested in a strange woman, you've got to be delivered from her. She is not your dream come true. I can't tell you how many dumb young people I try to talk talk them into this. She's not your dream. She's not your dream come true. If she's your dream come true, you need bigger dreams. You need better dreams. Uh, This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare come true for you. Stop having nightmares and chasing them. You need someone God has for you. 
She is someone God wants to deliver you from. Strange does not mean that you don't know her. It is God that calls her strange because it is God that does not know her. Therefore, stay away. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Uh, Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Don't fellowship with the heathen. They're unclean. Come out from among them. Don't touch them. This is how to get God to receive you. You're gonna, in your life, men and women, the second you leave the word of God to chase a person, you're going to have to give up God. Because you can't have God in a strange woman. You can't have God in a strange man because God's going to tell you, don't do it, don't do it. And you're going to have to block him out of your life to have her or block him out of your life to have him. And in this day and age, you don't need God out of your life. You need more of God in your life. So this comes back. Don't let your eyes affect your heart. Don't let your eyes talk you into, you need this pretty thing. She might be pretty, but she might be demon-possessed. She might be pretty, but she might be selling meth on the side. She might be pretty, but she might have seven babies at home she's not telling you about. She might be pretty, but she might be so eat up with STDs. Uh, she, she's a walking uh, CDC clinic. Center for Disease Control. This is where your eyes affect your heart. First Timothy 5, uh, let's see, did we finish that? Don't fellowship with the heathen women. Come out from among them. Don't touch them. This is how to get God to receive you. How to treat a Christian sister. Real quickly here. 1 Timothy 5.2. All right. So, pastor, I'm not interested in heathen women. There's a real pretty girl in the church I like. <laughs> She's real pretty. All right. Let's see how we treat her. Can I touch her? No. Can I sleep with her? I'll kill you. <laughs> I, I have the ability. I don't need weapons. Entreat the elder women as mothers. So if you're an older guy and you like an older lady in the church, treat her like a mother. That's kind of gross. That'll, that'll hurt your dating life right there. The younger as sisters who you can make out with in the back of the car in the church parking lot, like people have done in my parking lot over the last 28 years. Oh, no. The younger women you treat as sisters with all purity, chaste, clean, innocent. That's what that word means. You treat the younger Christian women as sisters. Until the day you say, I do, then she becomes your wife. I like Brett and Bobby's testimony. Before they've been married 11 years, 12 years. They said as they were counting down the days to their wedding, they couldn't even hug each other goodnight. They high five. Because <laughs> they wanted to remain pure and clean. And honor God. Well, the Lord knows our heart, so it's all right if we test drive one another. We're getting married in a month. He knows your heart that you're full of lust and you're not controlling your vessel. And he'll forgive you, but you'll always have this bitter thing in your conscience you'll have to get delivered from. It's just easier to pay up front so you don't have to pay the rest of your life. God's plan is so simple. It just takes goofiness and flesh to mess it up. We are to be interested in a sister from the body of Christ. However, there are rules for how you interact with them. Elder women are to be treated like mothers. The younger women, women of your age, are to be treated as a sister. Treat them clean, pure, and innocent, even if you're engaged to be married to them. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for man not to touch a woman. So not touching. Good. Touching. Bad. Any questions? A sarcasm there. But Paul had to tell the Corinthians, like, Paul, can, can, can we fondle each other? No! 
And they had to write him for that. Now concerning the things you wrote unto me, don't touch a woman. How to treat your wife? Basically have sex with her. Uh, Proverbs 5, 15 through 20. Let thy fountains be blessed. Rejoice with the wife of youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant robe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. So the breasts you're allowed to be interested in, men, are those that you're married to. One honest amen. All right. So for the rest of you men, those breasts that you go home with when you're married, those are yours. If you didn't know, wives, if you didn't know, your breasts belong to your husband. That's why he can't keep his hands off of them. And it's a good thing. And you should be open for business. Or he'll give his business to the lady at work. And it won't be right, but you aren't either. How do you treat? We're talking about sex. Come on. How do you treat your wife? Want her. Share your fountain with her, not somebody else. Desire her. Lust after her. 1 Corinthians 7, 5, defraud you not one the other, except to be with consent for a time, that you may come together, excuse me, give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. That's all talking about sex. The only reason, wives, you have to withhold sex from your husband is if the two of you have decided to pray and fast. And I'm telling you, in my church, that don't happen. And none of you in here that spiritual that you're calling off sex for a week so you can pray and fast. But there are some of you in here that have called off sex indefinitely. And you're destroying your husband because he has a sex drive. And unless, wives, you're praying and fasting and you should be losing weight if you are, which is just going to make him want you more, you don't have a right to defraud your husband sexually. You want to make sure your husband has eyes for you? Let him put his eyes on you and then follow up with other things. It's that simple. It's God's design. These verses refer to the sexual waters of the marriage covenant. You're to have sex within the confines of your marriage nowhere else. Keep your eyes and your thoughts on your wife. Don't allow them to wander anywhere else. If you're not married, keep your eyes and your thoughts to yourself. We would add, if you're withholding sex from your husband or from your wife, the Bible calls you a marital fraud. Defraud you not. That's rough preaching, but it'll save your marriage and it'll increase your sexual intimacy. And that's a good thing. Everybody said, that's a weak amen. But we'll be ready for next service here in 14. Hey, where can you else can you go to Sunday school and talk about sex?